thank you to the choir for that wonderful anthem this morning. As we prepare for our scripture lesson this morning, we'll be uh, reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Uh, this Lent, we are uh, looking at, at specific passages that deal with, uh, deal with meals that Jesus ate with his followers, uh, with his neighbors, uh, sometimes even with his opponents. And this morning, we'll be reading uh, one of those meals uh, from Luke chapter 7. But before we go to God's word, let's first go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this moment. We thank you that you have united us for this time, wherever we happen to be. We thank you for the gift of your word. As we turn our attention to scripture this morning, we ask that your spirit would be with us, would inspire us, would attend and empower us, would enable us to hear your voice once again through these words. We ask that you would open our ears and our minds and our lives and our hearts that we might come to know who you are and who you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. Listen to the word of God. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owned 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as we turn our attention now to this reading from Scripture, we ask that you would be with us, that you would set aside the cares and concerns of this past week, that you would bear for us the burdens of the anxiety or excitement for this coming week, 
and that you would allow us for this moment to focus only on you, that we might hear your word and come to learn who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He would have known. If, if he was as smart as everyone says, he would have known what kind of woman this is. This, this is what Simon thinks as he sits across the table from Jesus and, and watches this unnamed woman uh, showering affection on him. And it's annoying as Simon is irritated, she's interrupted his dinner party. And uh, what's more, Simon is, is annoyed because Jesus doesn't seem to see the truth that's right in front of him. He's, he's annoyed, he's frustrated, he's irritated because someone at his dinner party is missing the truth right in front of him. And of course, we know that, we know that Simon is right. As someone at the dinner party is missing the truth that's right in front of him, it's just... It's not who Simon thinks it is. We understand that the person who's missing the truth in front of his face is it's not Jesus, it's, it's Simon. Or more accurately, it's, it's us. You see, there's, there's something kind of buried in this passage that's very easy to miss. There's a, a truth that is hidden in plain sight that we almost never see when we read this story. Like Simon, we, we read right past it and we miss what's happening right in front of us. So to understand this, this hidden truth that's in plain sight, we, we have to go back and look at this passage again. We have to look very closely. We have to look at, uh, we have to look at Simon's Simon's self-righteous sermon that he preaches to himself. We have to look at the story that Jesus tells. And then we, we have to look at this one detail that we miss. We can begin with that self-righteous sermon. You see, Simon has, uh, Simon has invited Jesus to, to dinner. Now this, this Simon, this is not Simon, Simon Peter. This is not one of the disciples. Uh, this, is, this is a Pharisee who happens to have the same name. And so this man named Simon invites Jesus to a meal. And uh, Simon decides to be the host. But it's, it's pretty generous to use that word for Simon. He's not really acting as a host. He doesn't do any of the things a host is supposed to do. He doesn't provide water for Jesus to wash his feet. He doesn't go through the common uh, customs or good manners of a host. But nonetheless, it's his table and it's his home. And so Simon has invited Jesus to this meal. They seem to be eating outdoors, maybe in a courtyard or in a front yard. And as they, they're eating outside, as they're all gathered around the table and they're talking to one another. Uh, this woman comes up behind Jesus and she begins to, to wash his feet. And as she does so, it, it, it makes a, a, a bit of a commotion and everyone starts to notice and, and she, she distracts everyone from the table and they, they begin to focus on her. And it's not just that someone is coming to wash Jesus' feet. It's, it's the fact that it's, it's her. It's not just anyone. It's her. Luke tells us that, that she was a, a, a sinner, a sinful woman. That's what Simon says as well. But notice what Luke doesn't say. Luke doesn't tell us what that means. Sin is a pretty broad term. Luke does not tell us what it means for this woman to be a sinner. He, he leaves that up to our imaginations and they tend to run wild. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us what it means that this woman is a sinner because for Luke it's not, 
It's not important. It turns out this story is not about her sin. But we'll get to that in a moment. We tend to get distracted by the sinfulness of this woman. And our imaginations go wild. And scholars and historians and commentators, they focus on this. And they, they come up with theories and, and speculate about what it meant for this woman to be sinful. And Simon, he's fixated on it. As she's uh, weeping and, and washing Jesus' feet. Even as she kneels at Jesus' feet, Simon can't get past the fact that she is a sinner. And he sits back, looking at her, interrupting his dinner party. And he starts to think to himself, you know, everyone told me that this Jesus was special. People told me that he was wise. People told me that he was a prophet. And yet, if he was so special, he would have known who this woman is. If he was so wise, he would have known what she's done. If he was a prophet, he would have known her reputation. He would have known her past. He would have known her history. He would have known the way that she, she speaks to other people. He would have known the way that she treats those around her. He would have known the way she treats herself. He would have known how she spends her time. He would have known how she earns her money. He would have known how she spends her money. He would have known, Simon, Jesus says, interrupting, not his words, but his train of thought interrupting this smug, self-righteous little sermon that Simon is preaching to himself. Jesus uh, apparently recognizes what Simon is doing, uh, whether supernaturally or just from the look on Simon's face. And he called, Jesus calls Simon by name and says what may be the most frightening words in Scripture. He says to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. And at this moment, Simon ceases the sermonizing, steps back into the role of host and says, Oh, Jesus, well, of course, that's, that's what this little soiree is all about. We're here to hear from you. Please, tell us what you have to say. And Jesus interrupts this smug, self-righteous little sermon. And then he, he looks at the people around him and he says, Once upon a time... He doesn't really say once upon a time, but essentially he says once upon a time. And that's what Jesus does. He, he tells stories. He interrupts this sermon and he says, I, I want to tell you a story. And as Jesus begins to tell the story, something tremendous happens. Uh, as, as Jesus begins to tell this story, everyone's attention, remember it was fixed on the sins of this woman at his feet. And suddenly Jesus takes the attention off of this woman and he puts it on himself. All the attention, all the anger, all the wrath, all the hatred for her sins, he picks up and puts on himself. It's not the last time he'll do that, but we'll get there in a few weeks. Jesus takes all that attention for her sin, he puts it on himself, and he tells this story. And everyone leans in, and Jesus says, Once upon a time, there was a lender. And, and two people came to this lender to borrow money. Now the first uh, came to the lender and, and the first asked to borrow a, an enormous sum. The first person asked to borrow uh, so much money, it's, it's more than this person could have made in two years. And I don't, I don't mean more than they could have saved in two years or more than they could have repaid in two years. I mean, it's, it's more than they could have earned in two years. No, nothing left over for food or lodging. Every single penny this person could have earned in about two years. And the lender makes the loan. Now, then another borrower comes to the lender and requests another enormous sum of money. This, this second borrower requests a, a loan that, that is as much as this person could have made in, in more than two months. Again, 
not more than they could save, not more than they could repay, but more than this person could have earned in two months. Not a penny left over for food or lodging, everything they could earn. And the lender makes the loan. And so we've got two borrowers, one that owes two years worth of wages, the other that owns over two months worth of wages, and the day comes to repay it. And as these borrowers came back to the lender, he looked at them and realized neither one of them could pay. And the lender forgave them both. And everyone leans in to hear the punchline. They're ready to hear the moral of the story. But that's it. The story's over. And Jesus looks back at them and he says, So Simon, tell me. You tell me. Of these two borrowers, who's more excited? Who is going to love the lender more? And you you can almost picture Simon's face as he wrinkles up his nose and his brow. I, I, I suppose the one who had the greater debt. And this is the moment I so desperately wish I could go back and see what happened. I so desperately wish I could see the look on Jesus' face. Or, or even, even if I couldn't see it, just hear his tone of voice. Or count the seconds it took for him to answer. Did he choose his words carefully? Did he pause to make everyone uncomfortable? We, we don't know. I certainly imagine that he did. But eventually Jesus responds and, and he says to Simon, You have judged rightly. He uses this legal term. You have judged rightly. The one who is forgiven much loves much. And he looks at the woman at his feet. And he reflects on this story that he has just told. And Jesus says, you just told me that the one who is forgiven much loves much. And if it's true that the one who is forgiven much loves much, we can expect people who are forgiven much to love much. And she loves much so... So she's been forgiven much. And this makes Simon very uncomfortable. He looks at her and he he says, Jesus looks at this woman and he says the same words that we hear every time we gather for worship. Whether it's at 8 or at 9 or at 11. The same words we hear when we gather for worship. We pray that prayer of confession and then we hear those words through Jesus Christ our Lord, we are forgiven. He looks at this woman and he says to her, Jesus Christ our Lord says, You are forgiven. And Simon is furious. And the other people around the table, and they ask themselves, who does he think he is to forgive sins? And Simon and everyone else, they get so frustrated because they have been building their own hope on her sin. They've been building their own identity on the fact that they are so much better than her. Their hope for the future is based on the reality that their sins are not as great as hers. They've been building their hope on her sins, on the distance between their debts. But this is, this is the thing that we miss. That doesn't work. I mean, that, that, that doesn't actually make any sense at all. That's not how debt works. You see, think about it practically. Think about the way that debt works. If we were to, to after worship this morning, if we were all to go together to the bank to take out a loan, first of all, they'd be very scared to see us all together. But if we were to all go together and take out a loan, and then the people across the street were to go and take out another loan, when it comes time to repay our two loans, 
there are some calculations the bank is going to do and some calculations the bank is not going to do. What the bank is not going to do is subtract our loan from our neighbor's loan. What the bank is not going to do is compare our loan to the loan across the street. What the bank does not care about is the difference between this loan and that loan. The only calculation the bank cares about is the difference between what we owe and what we can pay. The comparative debt means nothing. And as we read this passage, Jesus gives us that information. He begins the story telling us how much each of the borrowers borrows, but then he tells us that when the day came to repay the loans, neither of them could pay. Which means all of a sudden, their debts are both unpayable. All of a sudden, those debts become equal. They are both enormous and unpayable debts. There is no difference. And yet when Jesus asks Simon who will love the more, Simon goes into this debt comparison and says, the one will love more is the one who is forgiven more. But they are both forgiven the same. They are both forgiven unpayable debt. The story is not about that. Nonetheless, the story is not about their unpayable debt because that's not where the story ends. This is not a story about great debt and lesser debt. This is not a story about equal debt. This is not a story about unpayable debt. This is a story about forgiveness because both unpayable debts were forgiven. Simon missed that little detail. Both unpayable debts were forgiven. They were both given the same level of forgiveness, which is to say, complete and total forgiveness. There is no greater or lesser gift. They are both given complete forgiveness. And so as Simon looks across the table at that woman with her debt, with her sin that is so much greater than hers, Simon is building his hope on the fact that he is a lesser debtor than she is, that his sin is lesser than hers. He is building his hope on his comparative debt. He has the audacity to think that his hope and his salvation is based on her sin. What kind of person would compare their debts to someone else? And we look at Simon and we realize what a horrible person Simon is. We are so much better than Simon. What a miserable sinner Simon is. We can take great comfort in the fact that our sins are less. Oh, that didn't work out very well. Turns out as we read this story, there is someone sitting around the table, who misses the truth in front of his eyes. It's, it's Simon. And it's us. And the temptation is to look past the Savior at the sins of our neighbor, to build our hope on the sin across the street instead of the Savior across the table. Our, our mistake is to take this story and make it a story about comparative sin, to make it a story about comparative debt, to make it a story about sin at all. But this is not a passage about sin. This is a passage about forgiveness, about the God who chooses to love us no matter what. And in this story, we see that Jesus welcomed both Simon and the sinful woman to the table at the same time. Jesus was willing to sit at the table with both of them 
Because this is a story about forgiveness. If we were as smart as we think we are, we would have known who was sitting at the table. If we were as much better than Simon as we like to pretend, we would have known the Savior across the table. If we were as wonderful as we like to pretend, we would have known that this is a story about forgiveness. We would have known. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.